Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Unscripted Faith Podcast, the podcast for Christian women to come together and learn how to apply the Word of God to our daily lives. I'm your host, Jesse T., and we've been studying the topic of suffering these past few weeks. I know I had mentioned in the last podcast that we would be moving on to some promises that we can count on as we go through our suffering, but I have to tell you, if you don't mind me continuing to share stories about my own life with you, that it has been a week for my family and I. The whole reason why last week's podcast was a day late, in case you're wondering, was because we were just going through some things that were hard for me to get a handle on, to be honest with you. My son had to have an emergency dental procedure in the middle of the week, and of course, it was a weekend. And then on the day he was supposed to have his appointment, we had a snow day. So this procedure got pushed out until the end of the week. And while all of that was going on for about an entire week prior, my daughter passed a kidney stone, which is considered somewhat rare in children. So it was a little bit of a concern for a little while. And of course, since she didn't know what was happening to her, she flushed it down the toilet before I could get a chance to examine it to prove what was going on. And thinking that the pain would be relieved after the stone had passed, I didn't rush her off to the doctor right away. I just thought that things would subside on their own. Unfortunately, she spent the entire week in pain. And when I was finally able to get her into the doctors, they wanted her to have an ultrasound to prove the diagnosis before they would treat the problem. Long story short, she ended up in the ER in the middle of the week with level 14 pain, as she described it. Another ultrasound was performed and other lab tests also were ordered and they did not show anything conclusive. So another ultrasound was ordered, which again was negative. Lots of confusion was happening and lots of unwillingness to treat the kidney stone was going on, which is weird because for one thing, every single doctor that we saw agreed over the past two weeks that this is clearly a kidney stone issue. And it was also frustrating that they wouldn't just treat it because treating a kidney stone usually isn't a complicated process unless surgery is involved. Finally, yesterday, we were actually able to get into her regular PCP that has been with her since she was an infant. And this PCP said the reason that they're not treating this kidney stone without a diagnosis is because kidney stones are considered rare in children. And as an organization, which she had just left that particular organization in order to open her own practice, she said as an organization that is largely funded by grants and state money, they have so many hoops they have to jump through in order to keep their grant funding. So my daughter was kind of caught in the middle of all of these things that needed to happen. She said, but since I have left the practice and now I'm an independent provider, we don't have to go through all of that. So let's just treat the kidney stone, which made perfect sense to me. And also, since she's a naturopath, besides giving us the usual instructions for caring for a kidney stone, like drinking lots of water, which we had been doing, and giving pain relief, which we had been doing, she also prescribed some herbs to help break up the stone. Well, today she finally passed a stone, but we believe that there are still some that have yet to make their way out. So on top of homeschooling and keeping the house and transporting kids back and forth to work and making meals and studying my Bible and studying for the podcast and going to church and a hundred other things... It just means that this week has been crazy. And so I apologize for the late podcast last week. I'm doing my best to push this one out this week, but I thank you so much for your patience. And you know, isn't that just the way that it is that everything would happen all at once? And it's just funny because this is exactly the same way that it happened for Job, but I don't think that he found much humor in his life story at the time. All that was going on for him was extremely overwhelming and pushed him basically to the brink of death. So I thought we should look at some of those lessons from Job's story of suffering, because there's some really good stuff in there that I don't want us to miss. 
Some of you may not know this, but the book of Job is actually the oldest book in the Bible. Some scholars say that it actually predates the book of Genesis by about 400 years. We already talked about one of the main reasons for suffering in our podcast episode last week. One of the things that we pointed out in last week's episode is that suffering is not always a result of sin. And this is important for us to get a hold of because one of the first things we tend to think when everything starts to go down the drain is, what did I do to deserve this? Sometimes the answer is, you didn't do anything. John 9, 1 through 3 says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that caused him to be born blind? But Jesus answered and said, It was not that this man or his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. The idea here is that when he is healed, he will automatically give credit to God rather than taking credit for himself or giving credit to anyone else for his healing. The second lesson that we can learn from Job, which I have also mentioned, is that God allows suffering. This is so hard for us to get our heads around. Because how could a loving God allow a child to be in pain, to be bullied, to be beaten, to be kidnapped, to be murdered, or to become sick and eventually die? I don't claim to have the answers to all of those questions, especially for that kind of deep agony and sorrow. That type of thing is just far too beyond my ability to comprehend or explain. All I can say is that we have to remember what Job went through in this lesson in order to get a little bit of a better grip on the bigger picture. We're not doing this for comparison's sake, except for the sake of being able to say, here's what Job went through. If you can find some identity in that, you can make your own comparison. But I'm just sharing the story with you. I just want to kind of put that out there. Now, Job suffered one tragedy right after another. All in the same day, he lost his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his camels, and those were, of course, the source of his wealth. But it didn't stop there. He also lost his servants plus all 10 of his sons and daughters. And yet we see in Job 1 verse 8, it says, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth. He is a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. By all accounts, Job was not doing anything wrong. Actually, as we discussed in the last episode, Job was doing everything right. It was because of Satan's accusation against Job, saying that Job only loved God because God had blessed him, that God allowed these things to happen to Job in order to prove Satan a liar. Furthermore, we must examine Job's first response to learning about all of these tragic events because I don't know that I would have had the same response that Job did. He could have shaken his fist at heaven, screamed at God, cursed him. But instead, Job 1 20 through 22, it says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or even charge God with wrongdoing. In my own life, I am trying so hard to have a faith like that. And while our godliness is not developed in our own efforts, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit who changes us, It does actually help quite a bit to have a willing attitude to allow God 
the space to do what he wants to do without us trying to put ourselves in the way of what he is accomplishing through us. The story further goes on to say that after suffering the loss of his animals, his servants, and all 10 of his children, Job is then stricken with a painful skin condition. Again, we see a righteous response from Job in chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. And Job took a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. I brought this up because if this was our story, after the first set of tragedies struck, most of us would not be willing to gracefully withstand any more insults to our well-being. We also assume sometimes that just because we've prayed or just because we've been good or just because we've asked for spiritual protection or just because we have asked God for mercy, that God will immediately deliver what we've been asking him for. But we have to remember that God is not a genie. In this story, we see that there was no immediate relief for Job, even though he had the correct response to suffering. Like us, though, Job did begin to doubt and he became disheartened, and yet he still kept his head about him. Job 2.10 has him saying, Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil too? His point is, again, God allows all things, good and bad, in our lives. And maybe the people who came before us had a much better understanding of being willing to accept hard times as well as good times. Because we, I don't think we do as good of a job at that anymore. I think because we have such a life of ease compared to previous generations, we really have such a harder time with going through trials and having to work hard or even losing children because we have access to things that previous generations did not. By chapter 7, we see Job finally cries out to the Lord in a prayer of anguish. In verse 11, he's saying, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Do you hear the passion in this verse? Have you ever dared to cry out to God like that? God is holy. And he is righteous, and we must have a posture of humility as we approach the throne of God in prayer. But I also have a strong conviction that it is okay to speak candidly and passionately, of course, with respect, to our Heavenly Father. His shoulders are big enough for our burdens. He's not shaken by our passion. He already knows your thoughts. And sometimes I think we hinder our relationship with God by being unwilling to communicate honestly with him. Agonizing prayer to God is not sin, nor is it a sign of spiritual immaturity. We have to remember that even Jesus cried out to his heavenly father with passion and agony from the cross. As a heavenly father, God employs the Holy Spirit to bring us comfort, just like any loving parent would do for a hurting child. The next point is, it's extremely important to be careful who you hang out with. Job's friends either pass judgment on him because of his suffering, or they offer him terrible advice. His friend Eliphaz tells Job that his suffering must be as a result of sin, because the innocent do not suffer. He further goes on to encourage Job not to despise the discipline of God. And then along comes his friend Bildad, who accuses Job of being wicked. 
And finally, his friend Zophar agrees that Job is guilty, citing that wicked men like him will suffer. But then the real kicker is Job's wife, who is a real encouragement to her beloved husband. She comes along and basically says in chapter 2, verse 9, why don't you just curse God and die? Yeah, that's exactly what I'd want my husband to say to me if I were going through a great trial like that. That's like telling a woman, calm down. Like, gee, hadn't thought of that before. Thanks, babe. (laughs) I think the point in these interactions is that people who do not really know God and understand his attributes have a hard time understanding how we can love a God who allows suffering. So they relentlessly encourage us to abandon our faith and curse God. Essentially, they want us to do that with him because if they're without God, then the only thing that they know how to do when they're suffering is to curse God and abandon their faith. They think that God clearly doesn't love us enough to protect us from the pain if he allows suffering. Hopefully that doesn't sound like a good idea to you to abandon your faith and curse God. Because by now, my hope is that you have a better understanding about the bigger picture and how to reconcile some of your heartaches against the true nature and infinite wisdom of God. On that note, I wonder if we could also try to stop viewing the book of Job as a book of suffering, which is like the easiest thing to do. But imagine for a minute trying to view the book of Job as a book about God revealing himself to us through this story, the same way that the Bible says that sometimes our trials are not for us, but for the purpose of increasing our ministry and encouraging others. Job 42, 1-6 says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things that were too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak, and I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. What can we take away from this verse? Well, a lot, actually, because it's a pretty meaty verse if you think about it. There are actually six things that I want to draw from this verse for you. One is that God is independent. He doesn't look for advice from anyone else on earth or in any other atmosphere or in any other galaxy or in any other anything. And he certainly doesn't look for advice from man. He needs nothing, not even encouragement in order to extend or increase his mercy or grace. But on the other hand, we depend completely on God to answer our questions, to present our prayers to, and to present our concerns to. We can do absolutely nothing apart from God. There is no other name on heaven or in earth who can answer these things or provide these things or reveal them to us. We depend on him completely. The next thing is that God is all-knowing. He knows our sins. He knows our level of commitment, our level of devotion and faithfulness. Our knowledge is extremely limited on this side of heaven. But God is perfectly wise in all that he does, even in everything that he allows to happen. Next, God is unrestricted and unlimited or omnipotent. He can do anything that he wants to when and exactly how he wants to simply because he's God. He can choose to remove our suffering at any time. Or he can bring about healing at any time without any explanation scientifically or logically. 
and he can do that in any manner in which he chooses, if he so chooses. And because he is all-knowing and he holds the most expansive bird's eye view on our lives, we can trust that he will make the correct decision at all times, even if it hurts for a while. Next, we see in this book that God is sovereign. We simply cannot reroute the purposes of God. We cannot change his ultimate plan for our lives or anybody else's. He is always in control at all times, even when we feel out of control. So if we are to grow more Christ-like, we need to work on accepting that suffering is part of the plan sometimes. Next, we see that God has revealed himself. Would we have a clearer picture of suffering like we do because this book exists? Is this not the book that most people point to, at least in part, to give the clearest and most obvious examples of suffering? And is this not the book that pretty much everyone points to when trying to paint a picture of godly suffering as far as how Job handled it, as far as how we should present ourselves before God during our trials? God makes himself known to us through creation as well as through his word and his watchful care. God has revealed to us through this book that suffering is a tool that God can use to reveal even more of himself to us. And I believe this to be truer than almost anything that I have learned these past 20 years in my entire walk with the Lord. I've learned so much through my own trials about God's faithfulness and wisdom and mercy that I'm just confident that there was no other way that this stuff would go from head knowledge to heart knowledge if it weren't for suffering. I mean, obviously it wasn't fun at the time. It was horrible. It almost took my life. But I can tell you that I would not be making a podcast basically promoting the beauty of suffering as crazy as that sounds if I hadn't suffered so much and learned so much because of that experience. And I hope that in your trials, that same insight will happen for you as well. And the final thing I think we can pull away from this book is that we finally get to see something about God's holiness. What does that mean? I've been meditating on this word for the past couple weeks and trying to find a way to put it into words and praying about it. But I just think this might be one of those things that's just too wonderful for me to be able to articulate. But I really wanted to be able to say this in this episode that the book of Job does give us a glimpse into God's holiness. But it does seem that even dictionaries fall short at describing such a magnificent word with so much weight to it and so many facets and so much color and beauty. Holiness can be described in some dictionaries as being morally excellent and pure or worthy of complete devotion and trust. And I think that's probably the best one that I liked was being worthy of complete devotion and trust because that is, I think, what the response should be to suffering is complete trust in God. But I also, I know from my own life experience, is a process. It doesn't happen just because you hear a podcast telling you to do that, to, to give your complete devotion and your complete trust to God. It's something that you have to learn, and I think we learn it by going through it, and I think that's probably part of the wisdom of God in allowing us to suffer. Trying to describe holiness is, you know, it's kind of a cliche little example, but it's like trying to describe to a blind person what the color purple looks like. I guess this is one of those places where I feel like language is just inadequate to really capture all that is implied in such an amazing word like holiness. 
But the point is that God reveals his holiness to us in the book of Job. This whole interaction between God and the universe and little old Job teaches us about the correct spiritual posture like we talked about in the last episode that we should have toward God even in our suffering or our anger or our confusion. I'm not sure if Job is anyone else's favorite book to study. Like I said, it's pretty meaty, but it's definitely one that we should probably get familiar with, especially if you're struggling. I also think that reading Job and Psalms together during your trial can be a very powerful and encouraging duo to get you through some of those hard times in your life. That's just one recommendation that I have for you. It definitely helped me when I was going through my biggest struggle a couple years ago. All right, so that is all that I have for you this week. Next, I am actually going to change up the order of topics from what I had told you last week. We will be talking about how we should go through suffering next week, and please don't think of it as yet another thing that I have to do. But instead, I want you to think of it as a blessing to help us clarify how we can suffer in such a way that we get the most spiritual blessings out of the terrible thing that we're going through. After that, I promise we're going to start getting into some of the more lighthearted stuff like the promises of God that are given to those of us who suffer. And I think that will be the end of the topic of suffering unless the Lord leads me to continue with another subtopic, but I don't currently see that happening. But that brings up the next point, which is that if you have another topic that you want to discuss on this podcast, please go ahead and email it to me at unscriptedfaithpodcast at gmail.com. Again, I just want to leave you with this verse from Numbers, and I hope it blesses you like it has me. Try if you can to start to memorize this verse and try to hide it in your heart so that either you can be blessed by it or you can bless someone else with it. So here it is. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. All right. As I wrap up this episode, just remember that I have a website. It's unscriptedfaithpod.wixsite.com. And I'm also on Facebook now. I haven't really done much with the page because again, I'm not doing much promotion. I'm kind of letting God take the wheel on this one. But if you'd like to look it up, It is the, just go ahead to Facebook and search the Unscripted Faith Podcast. Again, email your suggestions for episode topics. You can ask questions or even send prayer requests to unscriptedfaithpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. Please give this podcast a follow and share it with a friend who could use the encouragement today. I hope you all have a blessed week. See you next time.